into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Joining me today is my brother Ray Sean. Ray Sean, how are you, dude? I am doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I love that you just use the voice that you use to send me voice memos when you randomly check in on me. What's good, man? How you doing, man? I'm just checking in on you, man. That's I get those messages <laughs> like at least a couple times a week. I fucking love them. That's just my regular voice. So I don't know. I guess when I'm hyped, usually after I'm getting done smoking, that's usually for some reason that's the only time I remember you. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, I wonder how Kyle's doing. Let me see how he's doing. Oh, man. And I just see your message. You get stoned and you think of me. That's kind of uh, it's kind of sweet, man. I just clocked that in my brain and I appreciate that. <laughs> but enough of this uh, jerking each other off stuff. We got some Dragon Ball to talk about. Uh, we did just have a little bit of a pre-show for Patreon where we talked about the chapter a little bit and uh sort of negative connotation. So here's what we're going to do today. I have a couple of things up front that I want to talk about before we get into the chapter. We're going to be, what is it? Chapter 84, uh, the pride of people, the people's pride or something. I didn't even write down the fucking title of this chapter today. It uh, is chapter 84. Yep. And it's it, the people's pride. Oh, damn. All right. That was off the top of my head. And I've now written it down. So we are going to talk about uh, chapter 84, but there's a couple of things up front. Uh, in case you didn't listen to the episode last week, I did a Doctor Strange episode primarily, talked about Moon Knight a little bit, but at the front of it, in case you haven't heard, I'm sure you have by now, unless I'm your only Dragon Ball news outlet, in which case you were in rarefied air, Mr. or Miss Listener, and I appreciate your loyalty. But it was announced a couple, I guess about seven, 10 days ago now that Dragon Ball Super Superhero will be seeing its international release in August of this year. So, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, are you one of those loyal, rarefied listeners that only get your news from Dragon Ball from me? <laughs> like you're not all over anime fucking Instagram. You know, I'm. Sometimes I just wait for you to put out the information to get my information from you to know, make sure it's true. You know what I mean? You are my facts guy. You know, you you you. What's that person that goes and make sure to um? They, they make sure the president is saying actual true facts. They fact check. You're my fact checker. That's right. what you are. I appreciate that. I do have a pretty good ability to sniff out bullshit pretty quickly. If you remember the discord, like sometimes people will shoot off a piece of art regarding the movie. Usually like a few weeks ago or last week, it was cell is going to be in Dragon Ball Super Superhero. I'm like, guys, tone it down. This isn't happening. I don't think this is happening. If it does happen, you can all say you told me so, but I don't think this is happening. But yes, August, I, they're saying kicking around the date of the 12th. I think that's the second Friday in August uh, for the international. So that means America, North America and Latin America releases. So that's good news. Hmm. Be about five, six weeks in total. Uh, so in case you missed that on the episode last week, I wanted to get that out up front uh, before we shift to this granola arc. So earlier in the year, before the Toei hack happened, one of the producers, uh, I think e even somebody from Shueisha, uh, so one of the producers of the movie had alluded to like, yeah, we have a movie coming out, but also we have something else to announce soon, but we're not really sure when we'll be able to say it. And yeah, everyone's like, that. everyone's ears perked up. They're like, yo, anime is going to happen. Dude, what? Finally, Geekdom's going to be right. 
Yeah, let's yeah, two and a half years later. He had a good authority. It was already in pre-production, don't you know? We don't talk about that here anymore because today, today's episode is about me being positive. So don't send me off on a fucking geekdom uh, train of thought because it never ends well. So with the Toei hack happening in early March, I believe, and basically what that hack equated to was some malware. Uh, somebody clicked on a link they shouldn't have in an email. Uh, it allowed somebody to gain access and, you know, a lot of people like took advantage of that and they were like, Ooh, here's leaked shots of the movie. And like, it was just really mocked up fan art that in some cases looked pretty good. Uh, in most cases it, it did not, but what it did was uh, what the hack really did was deleted the most recent digital assets that they had been working on. So whatever work they had done in say like the last two weeks of time on the movie or whatever, all shit out like it's all gone it's deleted the bed they had to restore a previous version of what they were working on in not just dragon ball super superhero but a bunch of anime across the board so that was kind of the the toe hack right and we waited got no news on the thing i believe that toe hack obviously would uh, um impact the announcement of the return of the anime and it delayed the movie but i also think there's been a bit of a trickle down effect in the manga uh, there was another comment made by somebody at Shueisha where they implied the story would be wrapping up in early spring. We are now officially in mid-spring, summer, the next time one of these chapters comes out, or just about summer. Um, I, I kind of get the feeling that this arc was meant to have ended already. And uh, the last couple of chapters, well, I shouldn't say the last couple of chapters. Uh, last month's chapter with Bardock was, I think, always part of the plan. I believe it was the chapter previous to that that just felt very filler-ish. And that, maybe filler-ish isn't the right word because they are giving us uh, some narrative. Not, so you're talking about the one where he was teleporting around? Yeah, actually. Is that, that what that was two chapters ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect definition of a filler chapter. We don't know what the fuck to do, so let's just teleport you off-world to a million different places before eventually you just end up coming back two chapters later. We've recovered we've gotten the backstory of my dad and uh, we had enough time to heal. So I'm just saying, I think this chapter or this arc has been padded out a little bit because Shueisha, Toei, all the, you know, supervising entities involved in making Dragon Ball, they expected the hype right now to be about this new movie. This movie was supposed to have come out three, almost four weeks ago now. And it hasn't. So I think they were like, Hey, you know, instead of you guys wrapping this up and starting a new arc with some slow based shit while we wait for the new movie to come out, can you just like pad this out a little bit and uh, maybe the climax of Granola can happen maybe just before the time the movie comes out, which, you know, the time the next chapter comes out, it will be just before the movie. So I guess we'll see. It just it feels like that to me. I just wanted to point that out to everybody. The timelines uh, for Dragon Ball have been so fucked up over the last few years with when we expect things to come back. And uh, I think the hack sort of is to blame in this instance because it delayed the movie and because they don't have that movie hype, they need some kind of hype. So when are the conclusion of this granola arc? you have any thoughts on that or did I just sum it up? No, like I think your opinion makes sense though. Like if I were trying to market Dragon Ball, I would try to keep it at its, at its peak where everybody's at least looking at the manga and everybody's still wondering what's happening. Because, I mean, I do notice uh, those leaks affect a lot of different manga and different anime, because I know One Piece, I think their movie had to get moved to. I think their movie is actually pretty close to this Dragon Ball Z release date. 
but I don't know if that's just the Japan release. I don't know if that's everybody's I, release. I, I believe the it's August for the Japanese release date for the One Piece movie. I could be wrong on it. Obviously, don't follow One Piece, but I I do recall seeing that fairly recently. Yeah, because that that's when when you said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna try to have them compete against each other. But then I was like, oh no, they probably just gonna do the Japanese release date, no Shueisha, because it'd be stupid to really. Yeah, have those you have compete. Dragon Ball, you have Dragon Ball release at the beginning of the summer, and then you have One Piece release at the end of the summer. Like yeah, w- like way you can make you. as much money on both of them without having them have to compete. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, exactly. And you still get all the kids who are out of school. Although we've we've dove into this several times on Super Dope. I don't exactly know how Japanese school works. I think they might like take a month off in between semesters or something. So I don't think the summer break works out exactly as it works out here in America, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I- either way, they're going to make their money both in June and in August. If that is in fact, when the one piece movie airs, so or comes out. So um, yeah. So those are the two things up at the front. Um, 84. I'm taking a little bit of a different approach this month. Um in case you don't listen to Super Dope a lot, I'm not super keen on how this arc is wrapping up. And this arc is taking fucking forever to wrap up. So uh, instead of me bitching about all the stuff I didn't like about this chapter, which there were some things, I won't say that I didn't like them. I'll just say that I don't think they make a lot of sense in the grand scheme of the story. And they could have done things slightly differently to maybe make it better. Like I'm just inclined to think about things that way, I guess. And I just want Dragon Ball to be a good product, but I'm not going to bitch this month. So I wrote down five things that I genuinely liked about this chapter. I'm not going to do the play by play on the fucking this happened. You got punched. She got punched. They said this, they said that close beam. I'm not going to do that. I just want to talk about five things I genuinely enjoyed about this chapter. We talked about it a little bit before we hit record. Rayshon, I think we are pretty much in agreement in a lot of these things, but if any of these things spur additional commentary, just jump the fuck in and tell me to shut up for a second, okay? Okay. I'd say the first thing that I really like about this chapter, when it opens up, they're wrapping up or finishing listening to the Bardock audio recording on the scouter, and Goku's kind of like taking it all in and like remembering it was his dad. And yeah, I expect Goku to have that sort of reaction, right? Like him remembering his dad is a very profound, powerful moment. The cool moment for me in this was Vegeta. Looks at Goku and he's like, damn it, dude. Of all the people to remind me of what it means to be a Saiyan, it had to be your dad. And like plays that disgust card for a second. But in the moment, I'm just like, what a brotherly fucking moment that was man what a nice little thing like i feel like bardock just spiritually adopted vegeta or maybe the better way to say it is vegeta just forcibly spiritually made bardock adopt him (laughs) as his own saiyan son i like that cool i thought that was a cool little moment that uh vegeta's uh acknowledging you know like bardock was like the epitome like a great example of a saiyan i love that yeah, I liked it. it to me. I th- I just thought it was so Vegeta. You know what I mean? Just just to find a reason to be mad out of no out of out of nothing. Because you got to think from his perspective. I guess it's better that he kind of learned it from Goku's dad than from Goku, because it's like he's ha- he's half saying don't even really know they're saying blood, but to learn it from his 
dad. He's probably like, he's a low class saying I'm learning what a saying is, but I, I, I've, I've been kind of feeling like since Dragon Ball Supers have started that his mindset of like low class warrior and high class warrior and stuff like that doesn't really matter anymore. I think he just looks at, he's starting to become more of a saying, believing in his saying race. I feel like that's just how he busts balls on Goku now. He's like, yeah, I know you're powerful, but I'm a prince, bitch. Like, don't forget your place. I'm royal blood. Ha ha ha. I know you could kill me. I know that you're our last this ditch opportunity chance to save the world. And pretty much all circumstances, I love and respect you. But don't forget I'm the prince. Like, I know that he's not doing it in that, like, sort of tone. But that's what it feels like to me sometimes. <laughs> I, I, can, I can feel you on that. It's just like his arrogancy and trying to, you know, be higher. Cause it, cause it's it's really to me. I think like the only thing that really pits Vegeta over Goku is like his mind, cause he's smarter than Goku. If you have an issue, it's, it's better to go to Vegeta with it than to Goku. <laughs> that um, and he also, I always, me personally, I always believe that Vegeta is physically more stronger than Goku. I, I've just believed Dragon Ball has shown that. And Goku is just, he's better at key than Vegeta. And that's why he transforms faster than him. That's no, just my interpretation. I could see how you might think that. My my differenti- uh, the, the differentiation for the two, but for me, Goku's a natural. Uh, Vegeta's a prodigy. So like Goku, everything comes to him very natural. Vegeta understands things. People think of the word prodigy to mean like you're just naturally given the ability to do something. And I don't understand it to be that way. I think it's like you have the natural ability to understand how to do something if you choose to learn how to do it. Like, you don't just roll out of bed as a competent fighter. Like, Vegeta's a prodigy in the respect that he took to fighting and he learned all he could about it. And he's very tactical with how he fights. Goku does learn on the fly, but a lot of times it feels like it's just sheer will and dumb luck. And uh, those are the way that I kind of, it's not like a key versus strength thing for me. It's like Vegeta's much more intentional about it. I mean, it's not this, I guess Goku's intentional about it too, but I guess in the heat of the moment, like Vegeta's more tactical, Goku's more go with the flow, you know? Oh, I just feel like Vegeta just, like in almost every arc, in, in my opinion, I feel like even in this arc, it just seems like he takes more damage than Goku. And is able to still be fighting. It seems like he's always taking the worst ass kicking and still fighting. So I've just always attribute that to him just having the best durability. He's certainly a durable dude. And I think a lot of that is um, because he's been like main character, you know, 2.0 cannon fodder for Goku for so many years. He kind of has taken on that trait in his new transformation of Ultra Ego. He says that at the end, like, the more damage I take, the more powerful I get, the worse it is for you. I just love that they've taken the idea of Vegeta constantly getting his ass kicked and turned <laughs> it into some kind of positive for him, you know? And you know? I was trying to figure out how that worked, and I was coming up with, like, all these different theories on how that could work, because I was like, I wonder if it's, like, how you would think of a candle, like, if you were, like, to change the flame and it's just the, it's flickering brighter now because you, like, changed the fuel, so now it's, like, burning, like, gas, so now it's hotter. Oh, gas like the guy's fighting. Oh, I see where you're at. I, I, I don't know. I think of it more like a, like a trampoline almost. Maybe that's not the right way. Or something bouncy, something absorbing that like reflects back. You know what I mean? 
But it also takes away from like because Dona gives him like a time limit because he can't keep taking damage because that it like it comes to a point where it's like because I mean this is the last fight where it's like if you get too much where you can't handle it it's like uh, you're done. Yeah, like, I mean that 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 is basically what happened the last time he just kind of pooped out, right? I wonder if that's how Beerus is though. But no, we've never seen Beerus really get a hurt. Yep, and I think he's off like. uh What's he up to? Babysitting the Xenos or something? I don't know what he's even doing. The other thing I like about this Goku and Vegeta interaction, though, to round out my first main point, is Vegeta does what we all did as a fandom last month, and he just openly calls out the bullshit of the wish that Bardock made on those Dragon Balls. And he's like, what about you and Raditz, dude? You guys live a charmed life. You live to grow up, you know, to thrive. The only reason that you're here is because of a wish from the Dragon Balls. And I'm like, Jesus, Vegeta, wow. You hit the nail on the head there. Thank you for saying what we were all thinking. And then I like it how uh, Goku hit him back because after that, he was like, your dad was like sappy. I can't believe a Saiyan would make that type of wish. And then uh, Goku was like, well, ain't you sappy with a bra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's it's two entirely different things, (laughs) which it is. But you tell me Vegeta wouldn't make that wish if he was in Bardock's shoes for Trunks and Bra or Buddha or wherever I'm supposed to say it. Um, He would. He totally would. And it ties back into this whole theme that they are shoving down my goddamn fucking throat for the last nine years from Dragon Ball Minus till now. All right. That's about as negative as I'll get about Bardock being a family man and the Saiyans not being the ruthless savages that we've all thought them to be over the last 30 years. They they're actually multifaceted, you know, by the way, if you guys hear me sniffling, my allergies are kicking the crap out of me still. So excuse me. And that will hopefully cover some of the editing I will or won't have to do. Uh, moving on to the second point, the action for this chapter. That shit, man, was fucking nice. I love choreography between uh, a 2v1 fight. Like, there's so much more you can do with a 2v1 uh, that's more visually interesting to look at than just one-on-one fights. And it all culminates in a big-ass tag team, Kamehameha, Galico, which uh, I-, I thought was cool, but in the moment of watching them do the blast together, it was, I'm like, yo, I don't know who's going to take the win. It could be Goku. It could be Vegeta, but the way this is going right now, it, it could still be my boy Granola, which I feel like would make the most sense for storytelling purposes, but whatever it, uh, it felt like this was the moment of them saying, this is neither Goku or Vegeta's story. They are now binded or bound was the right way to say that they're now bound together through this renewed sense of, I don't know, saying pride. Like I'm trying to think of a better word for like, whatever it is. I think it'd actually be like a racist word. So like saying nationalism, (laughs) they feel bound together in this pride uh, in their saying nature. Haven't heard just this audio recording from Bardock. And it was a moment where I'm like, all right, they're both the main characters now. Cause they, cause they even was like, um, we're willing to die now. Like, I, I want to take this guy out no matter what. Like, yeah, they go up talking a lot of shit. <laughs> I love it, and they not only go up talking a lot of shit to just gas, they talk shit to each other. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna get this one. He's like, not if I have anything to say about this dude, I'm gonna be the one to get him. And they're like, yeah, we'll see, bitch. Anyway, hey, gas, we're here to kill you. Get ready. You don't know what you're messing with. Saiyans with renewed focus on their purpose and whatever. We're here to win. We don't care about Granola. We don't care about Minido. We care about beating your ass because we're Saiyans. 
And that's that, to me, that's just how Vegeta has been through like every like opponent. Like anytime he sees somebody like doing something he feel like saying should be able to do or do better, he's like, you know what? We're gonna beat your ass. Like we're gonna prove that you we're better. Like even with the hit thing, he was mad that hit was transforming and it looked like it was transforming faster than Goku. And he's like, No, I will hate to believe that another race can transform faster than we can. But if I was to go on to the what I um, liked in this chapter, it's actually happened right before this. It was um, when you have um, Gas Hole crew uh, with uh, Alec and them, and they were talking on the ship. And basically, he was telling them that um, they did those transformations before, right? I made the wish after they made those transformations. So he should be cool. And then I'll, I'll start in my mind, I'm starting to think, well, I guess they're not accounting for that um Zenkai's or Zenkai boosts or even stuff like that because they're not assuming that they're they would they could get stronger. Yeah, and it's kind of a complicated thing. So that I'm glad you brought up that scene with the heaters because it was not a thing I particularly cared for. Again, I'm being positive today. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the scene with the heaters does a couple of things. They notice Goku's transformation. I think it's Maki. She's like what the heck is that super duper ultra instinct or something like that? And I'm like, Oh no. Are they trying to imply that Goku, his appearance, his transformation somehow is different than how it was before. But they then go on to say, you know, Vegeta has his uh, ego boost thing, whatever they call it to make a joke out of it. Um, He has that thing going on that he had before. And I'm like, okay, so they've, they've made a comment about how Goku's looks different but how Vegeta's looks the same as before. That's interesting to me. And then they start doing the math of, well, we made this wish. Granola was already the strongest. We saw them fight against Granola with these forms. Granola was ha- handling them just fine. Um, since we've made the wish of Gas to be the strongest over Granola, presumably Gas should be able to take these two, no problem, even if they combine their forces. Like, okay. Cool. I just I'm being positive today. So I am not gonna go off on a diatribe about any of that. Uh I I guess it, it was important to have the scene in there, but I feel like it kind of gets it kind of shows its cards toward uh reveals its cards a little bit as to what direction they might be leading in, as to who gets the win. And uh no surprise to anybody, I think it's gonna be Goku. <laughs> You think Goku's going to get the win? I don't know. I still, in my heart to heart, believe is about to get the win because I just don't feel like they would keep him in there. Like, even they yeah. even showed him, like, on the ground. I, I just feel like he's going to have some... It's something's going to do. I don't know... Because I was low-key thinking about this a little bit while you were just talking, like... I don't, another wish could be made right now, and I don't know how it would affect Granola if you re-wished him to be the strongest. That probably take his three months and probably turn into a month or something, or make it like that day. But that that's something that could happen because I don't know if we know what happened to those Dragon Balls, but they could just be somewhere right now. I don't know. Yeah, I think they just flew off. I don't think they've gone to recollect them uh, yet, but. You're right, though. Granola is shown in, like, literally just the one panel this month where it's him just laying on the ground and Monaito's hot. So I have to assume he's going to factor in toward the end uh, again. He's going to factor in again before this wraps up. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you have killed him by now? The thing is, I think they got to figure out a way to decrease some of his power. Then you can have Granola come in here, can do the final shot. 
You know what I mean? You mean decrease Gas's power so Granola can come in and get the final shot? Yeah, that's basically what I'm thinking yeah, that's going to happen. I think that could exactly be it. Like, he'll, he'll wake up, he'll get healed a little bit. Goku and Granola, excuse me, Goku and Vegeta will have fought Gas enough to weaken him, hopefully. Granola comes in. He's still the quote-unquote second strongest in the universe, I guess. You know what he I just thought about? powers that? up enough to where he burns all of his remaining time left, gets that final sniper shot through the fucking throat or with the neck or whatever, the, the heart. And then he burns out and he's no longer a character in Dragon Ball. Who is his, who is um his actual enemy? Is it Elec or is it Gas? So Both. who who it, it's who more Elec is his is his Alec. real enemy, oh, okay. but but Gas has made Granola his enemy for whatever reason a long time ago. He wanted to kill him, to try to tell Elec that he didn't need him. You've got me. I don't know why we need this little bitch ass orphan boy. And he kept him around anyway, and that contributes to the grudge that Gas has had against Granola his whole life. See, I, but now me thinking that is I can see them having Goku and Vegeta beat Gas and then having um, Granola take out Alec just to kind of fit those story. They're kind of those storylines they're trying to create. So to I can point. kind of see that happening now that I kind of think of that because I'm like, I guess you could always bring that the fact that Alec did kill his mom. So, I mean, you can always make that the gun point of his anger and then kind of come up with a storyline and say that gas was a low, low key manipulated. So, yeah. And, and which very clearly is what they've been doing is like, you know, Alec is the true power in that group and that he's able to manipulate gas, the strongest of them all. All Alec can do is bust out his ray gun and shoot a motherfucker when he's not looking. And, <laughs> Honestly, dude, you might have just hit the nail on the head. Gas gets uh, beaten by Goku and Vegeta. And, uh, you know, they ascend to the quote-unquote strongest in the universe or whatever. And Granola is able to extract his revenge and have his story arc come to an end by killing Alec after the fact or, or during or whatever. So, like, when Granola first comes in, so long ago, so fucking long ago, dude. All right, that's first of all. This arc has gone on entirely too long. But when he first comes in, he drops all of those OG 7-3 clones, comes in and murders all of them. I could see Granola's role in the rest of this arc. Like, he comes to, and he's like, what are the boys? Oh, they're fighting gas? Well, I probably will just get in their way right now. What about Alec, Oil, and Maki? And then he peels off to go take care of them on their spaceship, all like stealth style like you did with the OG 7-3 clones, pops in, fucks up oil, fucks up Maki, and then he gives him like, my name is Inigo Montoya, you kill my mother, prepare to die speech to elect before he chops his motherfucking head off. Which, which what, what to me, what kind of makes sense, because to me, it, what's his name? Alec was not, he didn't want to pit the position the ship too close to the hut. I don't, know, I don't know if he was thinking about that, but it seemed like he knew that, their power was something that they couldn't handle. So he needed to, we need to stay far away from that shit. Yeah. He's weak, but he's smart. He's, he's certainly not foolish. Um, so those I've actually done my th first three main points. Mm -hmm. uh, so to recap, Vegeta getting inspired by Bardock. Cool. Action was super fucking nice. Cool. The third one, I kind of smushed into my second one a little bit. Cause I sort of go hand in hand. Uh, Jeets and, and Goku having the friendly rivalry, the two versus one dynamic and, all of that comes with it. I love so much about this chapter. Number four, and it's a moment within that battle because it was a super action-heavy chapter. The Hakai Shin blast that Vegeta 
gins up out of fucking nowhere. When it happened and I turned the page and I looked at it or flipped the swipe to the page, whatever. I, reading comic books on your phone is weird to me, but I swipe and he's just got this big purpley thing and I'm looking at it like, oh shit. Is it weird that I automatically assume it's purple? It must be purple, right? Uh, and I'm, I knew what it was before he says anything. I'm like, yo, that's that's destruction. Like that's Hakai energy. That's destruction. And he has this big fucking ball of it and he throws it. And it, the struggle that ensues with that ball is one of the best ones I've seen in a long time in Dragon Ball. Goku and Vegeta both trying to push it at gas. And then the moment where Vegeta says, like, he real again, he's a tactical fighter. He's like, I realize what's happening. We can't do anything against gas's power right now. I'm going to have to go, like, hit gas up, up close to make this thing work. So he peels off from pushing the blast with Goku. Goku clocks it and he's like, what yo, fuck? what the fuck, man? Are you cool with me just dying right now? Is this how I'm going to go out? You decided that I'm going to die. And he goes to hit gas and it doesn't work out super well for him. <laughs> he gets <laughs> fucked up. He gets fucked up, dude. And then Goku manages to deflect the, the blast and like it doesn't hit the city or whatever. So cool, 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 cool. But like that whole chain of events, like, Goku clocking it and just be like, what the fuck, man? Like, it was so funny to me for some reason. <laughs> like, in Goku's brain, I'm sure he was like, damn, Vegeta, why are, you abandoning, why are you abandoning the cause so soon? We could still win this thing. You're going to try to kill me before gas kills you? Is that what this is about? That's a funny way to pit. Well, just when you just say um, Vegeta being a tactical fighter, I was thinking, like, I wonder if he planned that. Like, he realized, like, okay, this is beams not strong enough. I'm going to have to get stronger. So, like, fuck it. I'm going to have to get him to attack me, basically. So I didn't know if, like, that was his mindset going into that because it's kind of how it played out at the end of it. But Yeah, I don't think it was, man. He's, like, rushing him. I think he was, like, trying to hit him so that way he wouldn't be able to properly deflect the blast from Goku still pushing it anymore. But mm -hmm. he caught a kick to his gut, and he was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Getting my ass kicked is my superpower now. Awesome. <laughs> Because as soon as he went over there, just I literally, in my mind, I was like, what What gas must have just threw that beam with the rest of his power and just said, come here, then, and just fucked him up. Because I was wondering, it's like, he just gave up on the beam and just fucked Vegeta up. But then yeah. you see Goku just throw it up at the end. Which, I mean, I don't know. Because it's like, one thing I thought was kind of cool that they were showing during the fight was Vegeta was the one that was getting hit the most. Um, Goku wasn't. It's a, it, it took that him I like actually have to go stomp him down into the ground because it seemed like he wasn't really attacking them. And I guess that's just how Ultra Instinct works, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool that they were showing that, but it, I guess it did take a while for go on um, Vegeta to actually power up because I mean he was getting attacked for a little bit <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, he was catching the brunt of it for sure. And like you said, like Ultra Instinct is a defensive thing and Ultra Ego, I don't want to say is an offensive thing because it does too work in the defensive capacity and that it allows you to take damage and get stronger through it. It's kind of the opposite thought process of Ultra Instinct, but it still allows the person to increase their power. So um, no, you're, you're spot on. There's throughout all of these battle scenes today, Vegeta's taking a lot more of it until Goku gets fucking stomped, bro. He gets like right there in his fucking solar plex. And that was like the only way he probably could have hit him. Like, that's what I was thinking. But I, I, I wonder if like Granola has some type of ultra instinct, like some type of way to be able to fight them. Because you would think 
those abilities with I don't know. I guess Goku still hasn't mastered it completely, even though like it's supposed to be like master ultra instinct. Because if we go back to how Weiss was explaining, it was like once you master this, you will be able to like escape any danger, like no threat or anything will be too small. And we still haven't seen that from Goku yet. So I guess he's still at like stage one of it or something, or he might need to go Super Saiyan on top of this or some shit or something. But I don't know. I think it's going to be, I think the thing that Whis has been alluding to for this whole arc is Goku making the ultra instinct transformation, something of his own. And the way this arc is rounding out so much about getting in touch with your Saiyan roots and remembering, you know, not that you carry the sins of your people in Vegeta's case, but you carry the pride of your people and what they stand for and what their convictions are, which at the end of the day is still pretty much just fighting. But I guess also loving and protecting your family. So I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on this whole Vegeta storyline now, honestly, with the whole introduction of like, so what I loved about this Vegeta storyline at the beginning of it was like, this is him being able to not absolve himself, but like forgive himself of all the sins of the Saiyans and what he did in his past world and directly having to confront a victim of the work, the very same work by the very same people that Vegeta used to do. And Vegeta's come so far along in his development as a character and as a person. And now he's a father and he saved the world a hundred times over and is no longer, you know, driven on being the best. And he's resigned himself, at least in theory, at least to, you know, being the number two to Goku, him having to make peace with that or help this person. That's a victim of what he used to do. Like that storyline was compelling as fuck for me. And now it's like, actually, Bardock reminded me that I like to fight and I like to win. So I'm going to go out there and win. Like that's uh, almost negative. That didn't sound very negative. Did it though? It sounded like I went to college class last week. I think what happened is I feel like their way of fighting kind of changed. Like, like in the beginning of this arc where you have like Vegeta, like worrying about the planet and like worrying about the people on the planet and like, I feel like that's different versus like how Bardock was fighting where he was fighting more or less to the point where he was like, I want to win this fight. I don't matter. Like, I don't care about the surroundings is me and you type of shit. So I feel like yeah, all it, the it things was. they went through, it kind of their fighting whole aspect kind of changed. And like, they're always like protecting and trying to like, you know, let's... Bardock was too, though. Bardock was protecting Granola and Minaito. Now Vegeta protecting Granola and Minaito but, and the but city. It was, but you also had that moment where you like the people you're protecting is asking you like, "Stop! Can you need you need to let this fight go? You are losing." And he's still like, "You know, I'm not fighting him for you guys no more. Now yeah, I'm fighting him me. because this motherfucker punched me in the face. Like, let's go! <laughs> like, I'm about to go. So, like, I feel like that's." The mindset, I think their mindset changed a little bit from previous chapters to this chapter. I don't know if that's just me or, but that's my opinion. The fifth positive thing, we've sort of been talking about it this whole time, but the fifth positive thing for me in this chapter is the hope at the end that I know he Uh won't. I know he won't, but this next chapter is going to be a very Vegeta heavy chapter and probably him just getting the shit kicked out of him and then responding with some big Hakaishin level uh, attacks at gas. So 
I'm, I'm excited. Maybe Vegeta gets the win. I don't think he will, but maybe he will. I'm just trying to remain positive because I'm tired of being negative about Dragon Ball the goddamn time. What do you think, Rashawn? <laughs> what I think actually is, um, I think the next chapter he's going to have probably a little bit of moments, but I think what, because I, I feel like this just happens like in the last few chapters, or last few arcs. I think the next arc is going to be a hype Goku arc where you're going to have Vegeta basically are going to be doing something to basically hype up Goku to basically be able to fight gas basically. And like, kind of like the same way, like where Go- Vegeta gave him that speech right before he was able to master ultra instinct. Basically I put all my pride into you and all of this. I feel like this fight, he's going to watch Vegeta taking all his damage and he's going to see him fighting in this way. It is going to like, make him like okay i can do this shit it's probably gonna what's help awakens whatever goku needs to awaken in his same saying pride to basically make his transformation or power him up yeah i'm not sure what ultimately is going to happen on the who's the bigger or who's the better who's the prouder saying front uh, between goku and vegeta uh i i would imagine that the goku thing it has to factor in. Like, I, I would like to think that what they're building toward Whis telling Goku to get his own version of Ultra Instinct, Goku getting in touch with his Saiyan roots. Actually, I said this to you before we hit record. One of the things that bothered me, again, I'm not being a negative today. One of the things that bothered me about last month was why the fuck did Gas rip Bardock's tail off when we know that Bardock goes back to Planet Vegeta and has a tail in the Broly movie? And in this chapter, it's like, Goku's flashbacks, like Bardock comes home all beaten up. He don't have a tail. His mom like sits down and takes a nap at the table. She like makes some food, does the laundry. And then his dad has a tail again. So like some time has passed, but the idea of Goku getting uh, some kind of unique version of Ultra Instinct that's inspired by his Saiyan heritage. Imagine if at the end of next month, this is completely like, what if out of nowhere fucking theory, like not even a theory. This is just like a holy shit. Imagine, which we don't do enough of on this show. So this is a new segment called holy shit. Imagine, holy shit. Imagine if at the end of next month's chapter, Vegeta's getting the shit kicked out of him. Ultra ego is exhausted. He said him with a bunch of Hakai energy. We're still getting nowhere. And then Goku's like, what's wrong with my butt? And then he like reaches back there and then a fucking tail sprouts out, bro. And he's got a tail again all of a sudden. It just regrew for no reason. That's how Saiyan tails work. They just regrow them the fuck they want to. Nobody has any rhyme or reason except for the plot. That's the mm-hmm. only person who cares about when tails come back. And then he accesses Ultra Instinct. And for some reason, his tail makes him tap into a more primal version of himself. And that becomes this, oh, dude, how cool would that be? Right. Imagine. I know everyone's thinking it and everyone wants me to say it right now. So I'll just say it for you, even though I don't think it's a good idea. Imagine he hits ultra instinct. He has this tail out now. And all of a sudden, all the red fur comes out of his chest and he loses his nipples and he's a Super Saiyan 4 Goku. Oh, my God. That will happen. If it'd be all white, I think that would be better. Like if it like if it's like the whole Saiyan 4 transformation, but it's like all white. Oh, that would be gangster. I'd be like. I had to give Totoro his props. I was like, bro, you didn't just make all my dreams come true. Totoro and me are friends, but I think he draws a really good action sequence. Yeah. Uh, so that's me being positive about chapter 84. How do you think I did? I I think you did pretty good. You pulled out all the good stuff about it. I mean, you still had your little 
little moments in there, but you know, I, 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 expe- I expect you to give me your honest opinion and tell me how you feel. I feel like you can't be a true fan if all you do is just accept it. You gotta, you're gonna have to complain a little bit about it. But the, the crazy thing about it though is just the whole fandom, Dragon Ball fandom itself. It's just one of the most, I don't like to call it a toxic community, but it's it's toxic it's to the point where i i personally don't really post a lot of dragon ball z content just because i don't like to respond to some stuff or just the things i see people who say like oh i said i didn't like the chapter last week and then i like say i like the drawings and the shit they're getting for that and i'm like you know what i'm i'm just gonna i love dragon ball and i'm always gonna stand on that like that's it Dude, you just hit the nail on the head on so many things for me. And it's funny because we were talking about it yesterday. Like there are some people, and I said this to you too. There are some people who think that this is, this arc is goaded, bro. This is one of the goaded arcs. One of the greatest of all time. First of all, I implore you, if you use the word goaded, don't jump the bridge, but (laughs) Reconsider your fucking vernacular because goaded means the greatest. Goaded would mean the greatest of all time, right? You've made something the greatest of all time. When you say it's like one of the goats, I don't know, mm. man. It's just one one of the greatest of all times. Like, I don't, at that point, just don't use the word goat. Use a different word. Then, like, it's top three. I see what you mean. It's one of the best. It's a top five. It's a top three. Don't say it's the greatest of all time. When everything is goaded, nothing is golden. All right. That's one. Then there's the other side, which I kind of fall into that camp of like, this arc is fucking shit in the bed at the end. It started real good. And I just like to complain and I'm a big old bitch and yada, yada, yada. So I feel it like you can get some kickback from people on either side of that. If you complain too much about how much you're not enjoying it, Dragon Ball fans don't like anything. And if you freak out about how much you love something, Dragon Ball fans are just tickled any old story. Oh, you guys are so stupid. Learn how to read. It's like seriously an exhausting thing about making Dragon Ball content. Never mind genuinely loving Dragon Ball, whether you have a choice or not, like me. I don't have a choice. I can't stop caring about Dragon Ball. I can be mad fucking annoyed with it. It's like a real, it's like Dragon Ball is the longest relationship I've had going my entire fucking life. Bro. And the only um, one you're willing to deal with the bullshit with. But it's funny that we're talking about this now because you and I exchange, like me and you talk a lot. I don't think people realize how much we talk, but <laughs> we exchange voice memos pretty frequently, usually through Instagram, sometimes through text message. But uh, we were Instagram texting, voice memoing each other yesterday. And you said some shit that kind of revolves around what we're talking about just now. And I want to play the voicemail or the voicemail if it's cool with you. Yeah, you can. So people can kind of have context about what I'm talking about. So here that is. I was just about to get on you about that because I was listening to your podcast and I was wondering, like, what what happened? I don't I don't I don't I don't feel that love for Dragon Ball later. Don't get too busy that. Super dope becomes just bullshit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Just bring the passion back. 
So I love the long ass dramatic pause, dude, in the middle of that. Cause like, I could see you were looking for the right word to do in a second. (laughs) (laughs) But like it, it read, like I've been thinking about that message since I got it yesterday. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, I like, you know me better than most, but listeners know me better than most too. Like Mm -hmm. you've been listening to this show for, you know, six months, a year, a few years since the beginning. You can probably tell by now when like I'm doing well mentally and when I'm not doing well mentally, last few months have been pretty fucking tough. And sometimes that does leak out into me talking about Dragon Ball, but also this story is just genuinely not going well considering where it started and what it could have given us to what we're doing now. Goku and Vegeta just really strong again all of a sudden. Hey, you know what I just thought of? Uh, close, close beam. We didn't mention the close beam one time. Because I didn't particularly like it, and I'm being positive. What do you think of the clothes beam, right, Sean? I just thought it was just something the Namics do. I don't know. They, I mean, they've all done it. I just, I thought it was weird that he did put the bar that clothes on them a little bit, but I guess it was just fan service. But yeah, Story Taro saying, "Hey, I know what Team Four Star is: clothes beam, and then putting Goku and Vegeta in Bardock armor, so that way they can make that figure in a few years, and I'll have. I'm sure I'll see somebody pay like." $140 on the fucking pre-sale. But me being negative about Dragon Ball, right? So I haven't been enjoying new Dragon Ball. It's tough because um it's only once a month. We don't have a cartoon back yet. The movie's been delayed, whatever. What I wanted to do though was start going back and taking a look at old super dope stuff that in some cases I haven't looked at in a minute. Um, or some cases it's it's a piece that I remember and it sticks out in my brain for whatever reason. And it kind of reminds me of like the spirit and the energy of what I used to love about super dope or doing super dope. And uh, I think this is the start of another new segment. This is our second new segment today. I forgot what the first one was already. Oh, it was uh, you imagine that shit. <laughs> whatever the fuck. Uh, I think it was this- imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> Yo, imagine that. This one is a, uh, Super dope rewind. Uh, I, I don't know. Da, da, dun, 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 dun. I'm trying to think of how I would sing that backwards. Just imagine what the dun, 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 dun would sound like backwards. Okay. That's how we're starting the segment. Dragon Ball Super Dope rewind back to an episode of me and vaping Mike Norm, who I actually just hung out with earlier this afternoon. And we're doing a bit, it's not a bit, it's just me talking about some songs, some of the greatest songs of all time. So here's what we're going to do, right? I'm going to play this shit. And if you have any thoughts that occur in regards to what we're talking about, let me know. I'll hit stop. You say what you're thinking. I might do the same thing, though, and it might be something about old Superdope or something. I don't know. Something that makes me think about more positive times in my Dragon Ball content creation career and not the most recent shitting of the bed that is the granola arc. Sound good? All right. Let's give this a shot. All right, man. You need me to fucking hit pause. You let me know. What? You think you know what it is? Go ahead. I know it's not Dragon Power. but I Don't echo. <laughs> I mean, that- for context, we are talking about what are the greatest Dragon Ball opening songs of all time. I cut out the beginning thing, given context, because in this episode, I keep accusing Vic Mignogna, my fucking best friend in the world, of being the guy who sings 
the Limit Break X Survivor English version. And he's not. And I just have never <laughs> fixed that in post. So uh, that's why the context is missing. But that's what we're talking about. The best Dragon Ball opening songs. That's a movie theme. Yeah. When I talk about opening themes, I'm talking about a specific set of about, what is it? Five songs now. All right. The five, uh, six songs. All right. It's Makufugushigi Maku Adventure, Mysterious Adventure, the first driver. If you want to hear a metal version of that song, you know, go listen to the OGDB Super Dope on Patreon because that's how we open the show. Hey, right? that first one, that first song you played was um, uh, the Dragon Ball theme, wasn't it? Yeah, man, we're talking about the greatest Dragon Ball opening themes of all time. There's six of them. No, I, 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 I just, I like that thing. Is that your favorite one, Makufushigi Adventure? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good pick, dude. That's uh, I'd probably say like my third one, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe my fourth one. I don't know, but that's a good pick. I love the metal version of it, dude, by the band Anna Metal. You ever heard of Anna Metal? No, I've heard though. So back in the '90s, there was like this four-piece metal band guitar player bass player singer drummer and they do 45 minutes straight of all anime songs but it's done in super heavy metal version like not like super hardcore shit but like thrash power metal level shit like what i'm down with from the fucking 80s and 90s uh i'll send you a link for them dude they fucking kick ass then you got chala motherfucking head chala Mm -hmm. that's obviously you know most people's favorite then you got We got power You don't remember that song? Which 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 arc does this one play through? That's from the Majin Buu arc. After the cell games wraps up seven year jump in time, they have the We Got a Power theme song, which was a big one for me as I'm about to explain. But what I know I'm also about to do before I explain it is sing Japanese poorly, which is one thing that I don't do very often on these shows anymore. I've dropped a lot of my Japanese accents. It's not cool. It's racist, whatever. But uh, also, oh, I'm you just... got to play it. I want to... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that song whoops ass. Like, I literally bought... I suck ass. I got to stop singing this. Oh, you got motherfucking like Don Don is Don's great Don's the best one and then you got the two openings from Super so when I refer to Dragon Ball Super opening songs those are the ones specifically that I am referencing what about six Puppy Kitty Zenkai Power. Is Doggy a... Kitty Zenkai Power. <laughs> is that an ending? Oh, that's so too. Dude, the Dragon Ball Z endings, those two. And then you got fucking. Uh, so that, I think that comes Wakashi from Dragon Ball Angels, too. whatever. That's that's the ending song. Mike Mike B and Mike Norm used to have this fucking. It's this list of like fucking fifty probably different Dragon Ball songs that me and Mike have just compiled on SoundCloud. So like he'll listen to them all. He don't know where the fuck they're from. He's like, is that an opening song? Is that a closing song? Is that a movie song? You know, like, he just knows they're Dragon Ball songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel it. Fuck is called Angel, ding, ding, Angel, ding, ding, Angel, ding, ding, That shit means the world to me because that was True. the first like. That I'll be trying to remember got a power exactly. I heard was, this. you know the two first Japanese themes that I was like properly introduced to. You know what I mean? 
So that's the other ending for Dragon Ball Z. At the end of the Boo arc, Japanese releases. And they use those themes throughout, you know, the background music a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, through, to, through the fucking bootlegs that I got from my uncle Julius, who mm. doesn't think that I ever give him shout outs on this podcast. But yet I've talked about him and his magical duffel bag coming back and forth from New York City countless times on the show. Can we thank him for these really cool, authentic Japanese school supplies? So, no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> we can thank my other uncle. Uh, we'll just call him Uncle Steve. So, Rayshon, we talked about, like, ways in which we started watching Dragon Ball. My Uncle Julius was my gateway in. All right. Listeners of the show know that. You probably don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, My Uncle Julius, my Uncle Steven, these two guys I'm talking about here, they're not really my uncles. They're my dad's best friends of, I would say, close to 35 years. Like, I don't have, yeah, I don't have any memories in my life where I did not know who they were as people. So, yeah. I think I'm actually going to see them this weekend, actually. I haven't seen Julius in a few months, uh, but my uncle Steven has actually uh, been living in China the last two years. Like, I think it was he moved to Thailand just as COVID started. And then like a year later, he moved to China. And I think he's home for a little bit and he's moving to another foreign fucking country. Did your dad still hang out with them? I mean, yeah, when he's not living in China. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, just, I just think that's cool to have like friendships that last that long. It's fucking rare, man. Like, I'm lucky in that Jimmy and Carlton, uh, I've been friends with them and, and Amber. Like, Jimmy, Amber, and Carlton are all brother and, you know, they're, brother, they're siblings. Um, I've been friends with them for just over 20 years now. Like, they're probably my longest running friends that, you know, to the point where it's like similar kind of conversation. Like, they're more like my family than, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say my own family, but it certainly feels like that sometimes. And I think it feels like that for my dad and my Uncle Julius and my Uncle Steve as well. So shout out to that. See, don't I sound so young and exuberant and full of life and love in Dragon Ball in this thing? You sound like you sound like you're having a fun conversation with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I sound like it's OG Dragon Ball. Me and my buddy Mike are drinking beers on a Sunday afternoon and I'm fucking chain smoking cigarettes into a microphone. <laughs> Uncle Robo. Call him Uncle Robo. All right. Robo Steve. Yeah. Robo. Uh, Robo recently, and like this dude took a um, uh, got married in the last couple of years. I'm about to tell his, the whole story that I just uh, told you guys. I'm just gonna his, keep it. Uh, honeymoon, he is he and his wife spent basically, I think, a month, maybe a little over a month in Japan, just exploring Japan. The different part of the story, I guess. Time in Tokyo, Sweet. and he came back and, they, and he was like, dude, you have to go. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that like you mm-hmm. would not fucking believe some of the shit going on there. Uh, but we, we got to make sure this podcast gets released in Japan, work on our, you know, fan base over there. I <laughs> mean, we have at least one fan in Japan. All right. That's the start. I'm aware of the start. Uh, and it's Todd Russell, no. who I think. <laughs> yeah, it's Todd. Never mind. <laughs> you know what? I bet you, Todd, that prick fucking fell off. And you know what, Todd? If you haven't Shout fell out, off, prove me wrong and tell me that he just fucking heard me call you out like that <laughs> prick. Although I did watch him do. A- what's funny about me calling out Todd and then calling him a prick. What's funny is that I genuinely felt that way. I was like, all right, fuck you, man. You moved on to another podcast. Oh, a couple of months back, dude, a couple of months back. I don't remember how, like I'm friends with him on Facebook, but I don't remember why he was in my comments or what even he was commenting on. But the effect of his comment was like, 
I never listen to podcasts. I've never listened to a podcast except your podcast. You're the only podcast I ever listened to and I loved it. And I hope you're still making it, even though I don't listen to it right now. I was like, what a nice thing that you did not have to fucking say. And I appreciate you sharing that with me. Like that's dope. Yeah. It's, it's always cooler when like somebody is so intrigued by your the content where they're like, what's a podcast. Let me go figure out what a podcast is real quick. And hopefully that's like the gateway into you listening to more podcasts and learning about other shit. But, uh, you know, being the thing that draws somebody in, even if they don't end up listening to other podcasts, kind of flattering. We love you, Todd. I hope you're doing well, baby. Hope so. True story. Todd actually uh, bought me tickets for the Broly movie uh, when it first released in Japan. He like bought us two tickets and got us these two little keychain toys and sent them to me and Mike in the mail. <laughs> That's dope as hell. Todd, yeah. you a real one, dude. Really cool Amazing unbox video of like there. a cool like Goku and Demon King Piccolo thing a couple weeks, a statue that he got. At like, you know, he lives in Japan. He's in the military. So it's like fucking four o'clock in the morning here. And it's like, you know, I don't know what time there, like seven, eight o'clock at night. That's how I know Todd. He's a real serious Dragon Ball collector. He fucking buys all the crazy big thousand dollar statues and all that shit. Whatever the fuck it is. Um, and, you know, I, I popped in that room. I watched him do his thing. And I said, super dope. <laughs> he gave us a shout out. Super dope. Hell yeah. That's our only fan in Japan that I'm aware of. We have a couple other people we could probably work on being fans. We're like important fans of like influence that we have like pretty close connections to. Like who? If we can get them on Team Super Dope, maybe we'd have a little bit of a foothold. And so I believe I'm I'm genuinely wondering like who I could be talking about here because I'm always talking about like, huh, maybe I'll get this person on the show and y'all fucking respect me then. But <laughs> this is during the Vic stuff. Like this episode comes from an this this comes from an episode that came out right after all the Vic Bignonia stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't us breaking it all down in full. It's the one after it. So I do talk about some shit. But I was so mad. Like she since come on the show, Monica Real, friend of the show. Shout out Monica, the voice of Bulma Briefs and all that. But I had been in touch with her for like three or four months before that Vic shit happened. Trying to I'm um, like once the movie comes out, she was gonna come on. Once once the Broly movie comes out, we're all done doing the promo and the press. We're gonna, I'm gonna come on the show. And then the Vic shit happens. And uh she, she just goes into hiding, you know, from all media appearances uh, for like mm. a year, year and a half. But it finally materialized. But that's what I'm talking about there, just so you know. If I can just get them on team super dope, like also I might have been talking about Geekdom too, because this was probably around the time I was talking about Geekdom coming on the show, but he and I eventually, unex- <laughs> unsurprisingly, we reached, beef. we reached an, we don't even have a beef. We just reached an impasse and he did some real big timer shit on me, which is whatever. J-Pan, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. My Uncle Robo uh, went back to Japan recently because his wife's best friend got married in India. Fascinating story, uh, Kyle. So they had a layover in Japan. This was their second time in the country. They were there for like six hours or something like that. So they went out and explored and they got me these fucking super dope Dragon Ball Super School supplies. All right, this thing's pretty and cool, I haven't man. opened them up, but we're going to open them up right now. So then, you know, as uh, I just suggested there, we uh, 
open up school supplies. I had an eraser. I had a stickers. I had a pencil. (laughs) Were they Dragon Ball related or? Oh, hell yeah, bro. It was all tournament of power themed, like lots of golden Frieza, Android 17. Like they gave me that shit within like the, uh, I don't know, within a few months of super of super ending on television. So all the stuff in Japan that they grabbed at like, whatever, the little stationary station that they have within the plane, uh, the plane within the airport, they had some fucking dragon ball stuff. They grabbed it for me. <laughs> we opened to it go over there to Japan. Dude, we should go. If I had the money to go, I would have gone a long time ago, but don't. So I always want to go to one of them anime conventions just to see how they do it over there. Cause you see videos and stuff and you just like, man, I would love to go there and see like a huge Goku fucking parade balloon and some right. shit like that. Go there and see like a fucking operational Gundam wing fucking mech marching <laughs> through the streets. Like I'd shit my pants, bro. <laughs> man. I think we're better off probably staying away from that and just observing it from afar. Cause if we get too close, our poor little fragile wee brains will surely implode. I, I know if I probably go to one of those places, I'll probably have to leave my card, like my credit card in the house or at the hotel, because I'll probably be broke. Yeah. I wouldn't have to. <laughs> buy random stuff. Yeah. My, my fucking debit card don't buy shit these days. So patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super. If you want a good 20, 30 minutes of uh, pre-show stuff, me and Rayshawn, actually... I, I talked about all the negative stuff on Patreon before we hit record for the public feed. So that way I wouldn't get too negative on uh, the public recording. So you're welcome. I hope this new fucking positive five favorite fucking things. Kyle, you liked it. You bitch ass. Mother- <sighs> Rishon, you like the chapter? <laughs> I liked the chapter. I give it a, um, I give it an eight. Damn, I, mean, I think I said I think I said a seven, but you I did. think I'd give it an eight. And the only reason why I'm I moved up a little bit is because I did like the 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 ending thing when you have Vegeta like ready to like go. I liked the whole little um Goku throwing up the, the Hakai blast so it didn't hit the city. And I liked the action. I thought the action was drawn really nice. So I'm gonna Man. give it an eight. Action was definitely the highlight, the narrative stuff, it was just like man. Um, and then you were here for the first super dope rewind or whatever the fuck that thing gets and ends up getting called. So, um, always making history. Yeah, man, you were a little bit of the uh, inspiration for it. I mean, I've kind of considered like pulling that episode out to re-edit some things so that way there's really no Vic stuff in it. But fuck it, it's out there. It's been out there. But uh, pulling segments like that, I think, could be fun for me to do solo episodes on in the future. But it's also fun for me to have you here too because. I mean, think about it. Otherwise, it would just be me listening to a sound clip of me and then stopping the sound clip of me to be able to talk more about what I was thinking when I recorded that original sound clip of me, who's now making a new sound clip of me. Like, Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's been you yeah. a review of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So um, this was fun, though. I'm glad you were here for the first one. Maybe I uh, subject guests to old pieces of my content more often in the future. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I think I'm doing something for my birthday for Super Dope in a few weeks. I'm not sure, but we're talking about it. So um, that'll be, I don't know, at least two or three weeks from now. I think next week might be a uh, appearance that Rayshawn and I did on the NPC pod uh, with Leonard, uh, his show. Oh, shit, I called him by his old name. So we call him GB on Superdope, but the NPC pod still calls him Leonard. And it confuses the the fuck out of me. But It's a whole different guy on that podcast. 
he he is and he isn't like he's still like reserved to himself and like just hops in with a fucking quickie little one-liner here and there but uh that was a fun conversation if you haven't checked it out that'll probably be on the feed next week uh it's been out for the last few weeks if you haven't checked it out already birthday episode i don't know i don't know what the fuck we're doing here at super dope anymore so one day at a time baby who knows what's gonna happen next week it could be dead so uh ray sean our gap podcast still going strong my friend yeah we're still going strong next week we should have an episode basically concluding with the um black clover manga because that's what i started on the last episode we're basically covering that manga for the probably the next few episodes until we catch up to where they are now oh so you just did you start it from the beginning no i didn't start from the beginning i started from where the anime stopped because i feel like everybody probably didn't watch the anime so i was just trying to cover more of the new material because the movie is supposed to be coming out soon cool well good idea too like you're covering stuff that eventually will come out in the anime. So mm-hmm. if people get to the end of whatever most recent season it was and they want to learn more about it, they can go check out your coverage. That's cool. Worry, man. Uh, hey, by the way, before we wrap it up, we're about to uh, we're going a little long here. I, I appreciate your patience, my friend. But uh, last advice pods, man. People loved them. No, did they? That's good. Yeah, people love the dynamic between me, you, and Kelly. It's it's awesome. Uh, and we have been talking about it a little bit behind the scenes, me, Kelly, and Rayshon, about like how we're going to do it in the future, how the structure of the show will go, and uh, if it gets spun off into its own thing, which I think it's going to, maybe not right away, but we're hopeful for like maybe after the summertime, it's its own thing, and we've got a bunch of shit recorded, and we can hit the ground running. So thanks for all the positive feedback on that stuff, and uh, yeah, keep it coming, you know? I appreciate it. If you want to support the show even further outside of your very nice comments, patreon.com slash dragon ball, super dope cash app, uh, Ko-Fi links are all in the show notes. I'm chasing a lot of invoices this week. So if you want to donate something, that'd be cool. Anyway, Rayshon, I appreciate you, dude. I will talk with you probably like in 20 minutes after this is over. Cause we talk all the time and I love that about us. <laughs> That's Super dope. and me, we talk all the time. Super dope. Sean and me, we talk all the time. That worked out pretty well. Super dope. That's what it- <laughs>